All right, well, as the, as the kids are leaving, uh, we want to dive into our message today. Just so glad all of you are here today, and all of you who are connecting online, I want to say welcome. We're going to be beginning a brand new message series today on the parable of the prodigal son. It's in Luke 15, if you have your Bibles, and uh, why don't we just pray and get right to it. So, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. It's a beautiful day, and you're an amazing God. And uh, it is incredible how much you love us, that you would lay down um, the life of Jesus for us on our behalf. And so I pray that as we come to your word and we look at the, the parable of the prodigal son, that you would uh, just move in our hearts, Lord. Help us to see the acceptance that we have in you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the year was 1983, and uh, the famous Dutch theologian, author and university professor Henry Nouwen was visiting a colleague in Trosley, France. And while he was in her office, he noticed a poster on her back door. And this poster gripped him. He couldn't take his eyes off the poster in this office. And this is the picture that he saw. It might be a familiar picture, um, but listen to what Henry Nouwen said uh, just kind of in his own words, what he saw when he first saw this image. He said, I saw a man in a great red cloak, tenderly touching the shoulders of a disheveled boy kneeling before him. I couldn't take my eyes away. I felt drawn by the intimacy between the two figures, the warm red of the man's cloak, the golden yellow of the boy's tunic, and the mysterious light engulfing them both. But most of all, it was the hands the old man's hands, as they touched the boy's shoulders that reached me in a place where I had never been reached before. Well, uh, realizing her friend was no longer paying attention to her, <laughs> she, asked, uh, she asked Henry Nouwen, um, why are you looking at that, that poster? And he said, well, what is it? And she said, uh, it's, it's a reproduction of a, a famous painting by uh, Rembrandt called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And uh, uh, now and had heard of Rembrandt, as many of us had, the famous 17th century painter. He just didn't know that he had painted such amazing scenes. So he went out and he bought this picture. He bought a copy for himself and he took it back home to the United States and he hung it on his office door too, just like his friend. Well, a few years later, Nowen was traveling to Europe and he had an opportunity for a private viewing of the actual painting by Rembrandt at the famous Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia. And if you can imagine, he came before this massive painting, huge painting, it's about six feet by eight feet, and it depicts the very moment that the prodigal son returns home to the father. And uh, he sat there staring at this painting for four hours over the course of two days. Can you imagine, like, I, I think personally, like, I might get bored, looking at the same painting over four hours, but, but he didn't. He didn't get bored. Far from it. This is what he, what he says about that, that four-hour experience before Rembrandt's actual painting, The Return of the Prodigal Son. He said, I was stunned by its majestic beauty, but most of all the light enveloped embrace of the father and the son surrounded by these four mysterious bystanders. All of this gripped me with an intensity far beyond my anticipation. And if you're not seeing it yet, what Nowen encountered and what he gained 
um, by looking at this painting, was, was a whole new perspective on God and others that began to change his life. And it all revolved around these three central characters, the father and his love, um, a son who had run away, and an elder brother who was standing off in a distance. And, and as that now and had this experience, he went home and, and he began to study the parable in the Bible and he poured himself into it. And, and eventually he wrote a book that was aptly titled The Parable of the Prodigal, or The Return of the Prodigal Son, and actually has this, this picture on the cover of the book. And um, it's a book that I've read many times, and it's, a, it's an incredible little story. But what Nowen realized is that every one of us has a lot to learn from each of the characters in the story of the return of the prodigal son. Um, because all of us, at times, can be like that younger son. We can be reckless, immoral, even running from the father. All of us, at times, can be like the elder brother, responsible, moral, and angry at those who aren't. And all of us are called to become like the father, compassionate, forgiving, embracing the prodigals, and welcoming home. And, and in this book, Nowen writes, he says, he says it this way, he says, I am the younger son, I am the elder son, and I'm on my way to becoming the father. And so in each week, as we go through this series on the parable of the prodigal son, we're going to take four weeks to look at one parable. And each week, we're going to look at a different character in the parable of the prodigal son, the younger son, the elder brother, the father, and then week four, that's going to be our church picnic. So we got to pull out the fattened calf. Okay, that's going to be the star of the church picnic right there, the fattened calf. We're going to celebrate lives changed by Jesus, and that's going to be an awesome Sunday. So we're excited about that. But I think it's incumbent upon, our, uh, upon us to ask ourselves as we read this parable, how does my life connect with the story? Where do I fit in the parable of the prodigal son? How does my life connect with this parable? Because that's how Jesus sets it up for us. And we need to ask ourselves, why does Jesus tell this parable? And in fact, we're told that the story takes place and Jesus launch, launches into it in the context of two audiences around Jesus. Verse 1 of Luke 15 says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So look, look who's attracted to Jesus. Look who's drawn to Jesus. What does it say? Sinners? Tax collectors? Who are these people? The sinners, they're, they're ungodly people. And, and tax collectors, honestly, they were even worse. They would take from their own people and give it to the enemy. And so even the worst sinner could go to bed at night saying, wish I'm not a tax collector. But, but isn't it incredible that this is the group of people that's drawn to Jesus. They want to be with Jesus. And who is Jesus? He welcomes sinners and eats with them. He's a friend of sinners. You want to be like Jesus. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. Do you have the same friends that Jesus has? Because people who were not like Jesus loved being with Jesus. And Jesus loved being with them too. 
He was a friend of sinners. Do you have the same friends Jesus had? Well, probably not if you're a Pharisee or a teacher of the law. Who were these people? They were the most holy people. They were the most religious people. And our passage here in the beginning says they were muttering or they were grumbling. They didn't really get what Jesus is about. So Jesus responds with three parables in Luke 15. Um, what's a parable? A parable is just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he gives three parables, and all three of these parables are about lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin. And then notice it's not just one lost son, but there are two lost sons. A rebellious son and a, re a religious son. A Pharisee and a sinner, and both of them are lost. Both of them are far from God. And both of them, just like us, are invited to come home to the love of our Father. That's what this series is about. The parable of the prodigal son, more than anything else, gives us a picture of the Father's heart for me and for you. It's the gospel in a nutshell. It's good news for the rebellious, and it's good news for the religious. Because we all need the Father's love. We all need to come home to the heart of the Father. Both of us can be far from God. We all need this parable. And so I invite you to come and just to see yourself in this story. Charles Dickens once called it the greatest story ever told. So let's read it together. If you have your Bible, Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. Ugh, yuck. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up. He went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he's replied. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. 
The older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, and he was lost, and now he's found. What an amazing story, isn't it? Powerful. We're going to focus on the younger son today. And the big idea is that no matter where we've been, No matter what decisions we made or the path that our life has taken, we have a God who welcomes us home. We have a God who loves us. It says, come home. So I want to invite you as we start today just to consider this line from Henry Nouwen. It says, I am the younger son. What does it mean to have the experience of the younger son? What is it like? Let's take a look at our story. Luke 15, 11 says this. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate, or my inheritance. So he divided his property between them. And I just want you to imagine this now, because this is outrageous. Could you imagine a son coming up to his dad who's alive and saying, I want your inheritance. I want my money now. He's saying, Father, I wish you were dead, because if you were dead, then I could get the money that's coming to me. I mean, how, how disrespectful, how outrageous. And in those days, if a father had two sons, the older son would get two-thirds of the estate, the younger son would get a third. And so the younger son goes to the father and says, I want my money now, I want to get out of here, I want you out of my life. And I can't imagine anything more painful for a father to hear. And sin is like that. You know, when we talk about sin, we think about sin as breaking God's law. And guys, sin is breaking God's law. But sin isn't just breaking God's law. It's breaking the father's heart. We, we go back to Genesis 6-6 and sin is multiplying on the earth. And the Bible says that it grieved God to his heart. What does the father do in the story? He writes the check. Just like God would write the check for me and for you. In verse 13, we're told, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. So he goes off, maybe Atlantic City. He gets the condo. He's throwing party after party. It's a binge of hangovers and hookups and selfishness. And he's doing things he knows he shouldn't do. But we got to ask the question why does he go off to the distant country? Why doesn't he just stay home and do that? 
Because the distant country is anywhere we go where we don't want God to see what we're doing. I don't want, it, I don't want God to see what I'm looking at on my screen. I don't want God aware of that relationship. I, I don't want God to hear how I'm talking to my kids. We all have our distant country. And God knows. He knows them very well. We're all like that prodigal. We all have our distant countries. We all take the blessings that God has given us and we've wasted them. And eventually the money runs out. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. He's gone to the party, to the pig pen. And it says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating. And that's the emptiness that sin leaves us in. We all know the, what that's like. It's, the Bible calls it the fleeting pleasure of sin. We've all been there. But don't miss the point of the story. I am the younger son. I know what it's like to run from God. I know what it's like to be in that distant country. And the Bible says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. We're all prodigals. But hear me, you don't have to wait to the pig pen to wake up to the reality of God's grace. And the miracle of God's grace is that no matter where we've been, no matter how far we've run, we have a God who welcomes us home. God welcomes us home. It's the miracle of grace right there. So verse 17, he comes to his senses. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And I'm here starving to death. He has an awakening. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Guys, this is what happens when a sinner awakens to grace. Say, I'll go back to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. It's a prayer of repentance. And yet, isn't it crazy? He can't imagine that the father would ever receive him as a son. He's, he's going to go back and he says, he's going to say, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just let me be like one of your hired servants. He, he's put together a plan and, and in his mind, he doesn't come back as a son. He comes back as a hired servant. Just, just hire me. Just, just give me a job. Let me feed the chickens. I'll pay you back. He's going to earn his way back to the father. I just want to say today, if you're here today, and that's your view of God, I'll just earn my way back to God. I'll just work my way back to God. I'll just, if I just do enough penance, I would just say, if that's your view of God today, then maybe you don't understand the heart of the Father. Because look what happens 
when that son finally begins returning to the father. This is what it says, verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he was filled with, and I just want you to hold it right there. What is the heart of the father filled with? When he sees people who are running from him, rebelling from him, and far from him. What fills the father's heart? When he looks in our direction. Anger? How could you do that? Rejection? Get out of here. What fills the father's heart? As the son comes running back to him. Look at what it says. Guys, this is the key. Why does Jesus welcome tax collectors and sinners? Jesus is about to tell us what fills the father's heart. Jesus said, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Compassion. What a great word, isn't that? This is the unexpected love of God for the prodigals when they come home, for every one of us. And it says, he ran to his son. Son hasn't even made it to the father. The father's already running to the son. And he throws his arms around him and he begins kissing him. Compassion fills the father's heart for you today and for me today. And he loves you. And I want you to understand is that even when you and I were still a long way off, even when you and I were in our distant country, the Father saw us, He saw you, He saw me, and He loved us. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. How do I know God loves me? Because even when I was in that distant country, even when I was a long way off, I had nothing to give, I had nothing to offer, Jesus came and he died on a cross. God wrote the check. He paid the price for you and for me. Other translations said God proves his love. He proved his love for you because he loved you first by sending his son. And even when you were a long way off, the father was running after you. That's what fills the father's heart. It's a heart of love. It's a heart of compassion. It's the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He welcomes us home. Being a dad, uh, have these experiences, and many of you have too, where uh, kids get mad at you. They say things like, I don't love you. Ever have that happen? This is my favorite. I like mom better. 
And you know what I say to my kids in those moments? I'll never stop loving you. I'll never stop loving you. I'll never stop loving you. Parents, we, we learn that. Ever notice sometimes our kids need our love the most when they deserve it the least? That's what the Father does for us. He loves us. He loves us. And he'll never stop loving us. And it changes everything. Son tries to get out of speech. Verse 21. Son says to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the Father, I love it, he just cuts him off. The Father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. It's the one they've been holding on to, we've been waiting for to celebrate. Kill that fattened calf. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, was alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Welcome home. See, the message of Christianity isn't clean yourself up and run to God. The message of Christianity is run to God. He'll make you clean. He'll give you the robe. He'll put the sandals on your feet. He'll restore your identity, your dignity, your authority. They begin to celebrate. I love the story. What an amazing story. So we're all the prodigals. I'm, I am the prodigal son. And, uh, and the beauty of this story is that we have a God who welcomes us home. The son, younger son, he, he wants to come home to the father. And he learns that home is the father's heart. It's the father's heart of love and acceptance for you and for me. And so I want to wrap today up just by way of three applications. And uh, the first one is just for those of you with a prodigal child, and, and you were on my heart this week. I was praying for you this week. So I think as parents, one of the hardest things is, is to have a child who walks away from the faith. And maybe you're asking yourself, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And there is no perfect parent. Amen? There's one perfect Heavenly Father. But I kind of noticed in this story that even the perfect father had a son who went away. So what do we do? I think we pray that hard prayer. Whatever it takes, God. Whatever it takes. Bring my child home to you. And I pray that for my kids. Whether they have a rebellious heart or a rebe religious heart, God, may my children, more than anything, Else want a relationship with a father who loves them. And we're going to be there, and we're going to keep on loving them because that's what our father did for us. How about for those with, with just a prodigal friend? Prodigal friends. I hope we have prodigal friends. Isn't that what Jesus did? He ate with tax collectors and sinners. And What's a sinner? We're just talking about people who are off in the distant country, who are far from God. I think about Think about our friends Dan and Courtney. And um, we had an opportunity, 4th of July. We had a, a 
party at our house, and, and Dan and Courtney come, and, and they're, God's doing something. But, uh, but they're far from him, and, and Dan's always asking questions about the faith. He, it was Sunday, 4th of July was last Sunday. Uh, they had the red, white, and blue pancakes, that was awesome. So just thank you for all who made that possible. But Dan, he's like, he's like, did you guys have masks today? I was like, I thought he said, did you wear masks today? I was like, masks? He's like, no, no, did you have masks today? I was like, masks? Oh, oh yeah, masks. I was like, yeah, we had church, you know, something like that. So, you know, Catholic background, all that. And, um, and he just started asking me questions. We got into a conversation. He's like, so have you ever read the Bible all the way through? And his life was like, you idiot. Like, of course he's read the Bible all the way through. He's like, well, I didn't know. I was just asking. I was like, yeah, you know, like I've read it all the way through, but, but you've got to read it for yourself. It's amazing. This is an amazing, amazing book. I said, this week I'm working on a story that Jesus told called the parable of the prodigal son. I said, have you ever heard the parable of the prodigal son? And you know what he said? I've never heard that story. And so I said, could I just take a minute and read it to you right here? He's like, yeah, that'd be amazing. And so right there, the back porch, got to read my friend Dan, the parable of the two lost sons. And I got to share a little bit of the Father's love for him. And I just want to ask you today, who do you know who's in the distant country? It could be uh, someone where you work, or maybe it's a neighbor or an old friend, or you have somebody on your, your soccer team. Whatever it is, I always think about Jesus, who welcomed sinners and ate with them. And I just think maybe the most Jesus thing we could do is to do exactly that, to welcome people in our life who are far from God and to eat with them, have a meal with them. Who do you know who's off in the distant country? Guys, that's, that's what Jesus did for me. He just welcomed me home. And some of you are here today, and you're saying, that's me. I've been running from God, and today I want to come home. And so my last application is just for those of you say, you know what, I am that prodigal. I'm like that younger son. And I would say to you today that this is your moment. God is here, and he loves you, and he's saying, come home. Come home. You say, how? How do, I find, how do I find the way home? Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Only way to the Father's house is through Jesus the Son. He is the faithful Son, the true Son, who dying on the cross, he wrote the check for our sins, rose from the dead so that you can have new life. <coughs> so I just want to invite you today, right now, this is the moment to come to Christ. To come to Jesus and say, I, I, want, I want to experience that. I want, I want to experience forgiveness. I want to experience the Father's love. I, I want to experience an eternity in the house of the Father, and, and this is your moment. You can do that right now, and many of you are, as you're opening up your heart to him in this moment. So can we just pray as we wrap up this time together? As God's working in your heart, I want to invite Max to come up. Let's pray, and let's allow God to minister to our hearts this morning. So Father, Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, Father in heaven, what a wonderful God you are. 
We're not worthy to be called your sons and daughters, but we know that you are worthy and you come and you fill our life with blessing and value and hope. Show us the Father's love for us, each one of us. Because in our own ways, we've sinned, we've run, whether it's rebellion, whether it's religion, you know our heart, and you know how much we need your love. So minister your love to our hearts today. Show us that we're loved unconditionally, without limit, that we are accepted because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we pray for our children, for those who don't know you, Bring them back to your heart, oh God. For the prodigals, God, bring them home. For the parents of prodigals, Lord, help us to trust you and to rest in you. We pray for our friends that don't know you, God. Bring them home and use us in that process. For the Courtney's and dance, God, bring them home. And for every one of us, bring us back to your love for you and the love that you have for us. Thank you that you say to me and to everybody here today, welcome home. Welcome home. So would you stand? Would you stand? And just receive his love this morning as the Father ministers.